Thanks for listening to another life-transforming message from the team here at C3 Southwest Washington. To find out more about our church, visit c3swwa.com. What a morning so far. All right, seriously? David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And I don't know, maybe you, maybe you didn't feel that way before you walked in today. But man, if you don't feel that way now, something is disconnected and we need to have a conversation because wow, God's presence tangible. And that's a value. And we, we love those of you who are at home. And if you're at home because you're distancing, because you're at risk or people are at risk, but I, I apologize to you. You'll never experience what you experience as we gather. David knew that. As we come into God's presence, we gather together. There is something that's different. It's tangible. It's real. You can't get it anyplace else. It's the command of God because it has benefits. So I challenge you, if you're just doing this thing at home because you found a new way that includes your pajamas and your couch, I want to tell you, you're, you're missing out. You're robbing your family of God's present tangible touch in a way that comes only as we gather. And understand this, there's a lot of reasons maybe not to gather, but there are people in China where it's against the law who are gathering at this moment. I'm just going to tell you, there are people who are dying, dying in Africa because they're being slaughtered for their faith as they gather. And I know we've got some issues going on here. When I look at the numbers, listen, it's wor- I, for me, it's worth the risk. It's worth the risk. Oh, man, I just feel like I just want to, can I pray right there? We'll just go ahead and we'll step in. Father, I thank you for the gathering of your people. I thank you, God, for the ones who aren't here. There's some legitimately not in your house all around this country right now. Father, we, we pray your protection over them. Father, there's some who have gotten into a sloppy routine. We pray your blessing over them. We don't want to condemn them. We want to encourage them. There's good things ahead. There's good things to receive from gatherings. Paige said this morning, wow, coming into the church, experiencing the people of God. So, Father, call us back to your house. Call us back to gathering in your presence. And we're believing you for your very best. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everyone said amen. And amen. Give the Lord a big hand and you may be seated as you do. You know, we're in the middle of November fast. How many of you are participating, enjoying what's going on in November fast? Really, really, really good stuff. I challenge you to jump in, jump online. You can find our material there. And we are in, I think today's day eight, actually. And in the process, if you haven't participated yet, jump in now anyways. Get involved with it. It's all about aligning yourself in a series of 30 days to prepare for the days ahead. It's preparation to be in alignment with God so that you can absolutely experience all of his best. And if you miss a day, listen, it's not like, oh, I, I ran that last mile of the marathon. Was I, I blew it. You don't quit there. You run the next mile, right? So jump back in if you have to skip a day. And if you're just starting now, jump in. We'd be glad to have you join us, okay? We're in a series. Oh, let me also say, I don't have a graphic for this. Thursday prayer. Do we not need to step into prayer during this season? Okay? We've got an election that's been declared but not decided. Nobody's been uh, read in. And there may or may not be some in. This, some discrepancies with counting of ballots. I know that the challenge would be many states have never, ever, ever done mail-in balloting. And some of the rules on that have shifted at the very end. I received two ballots from 19... My parents lived with me in 2006. And I still get ballots for them at my house. 
okay? And they live in a different state. I could have sent those ballots in. In fact, I wondered what would it look like if I sent in my mail-in ballot and then went to the polling station? Would they actually know? I'm not so sure. I know one thing, we could do a better job at that. I'm not saying that changes any of the results. That's not my, my point here. But it's important to pray that the, the will of God and the will of people take place in, a, in, in our constitutional republic, right? And so we just want to make sure that it's done well. And that's how one of the ways we're going to pray this Thursday. But that's not the only thing we're going to pray for this Thursday. We're going to pray for your health and well-being, the future of our church, a property that's yet to be built, healing in people's bodies and people's strength and future, good stuff, into any kind of craziness, pandemic, and uh, political rest. Wouldn't that be nice? A new season of rest. Okay. Okay, so we're in a new series moving on titled Showdown. Ooh, if I had the do-do-do-do-do-do, I would have that played right here and right now because, man, I grew up at the drive-in theater, and I would pull in, and my parents, every Friday, sometimes even on Saturday, it was bonus, when I was a little kid living in South Carolina, we went to the drive-in theater, and my parents, they would go to the drive-in theater where there were like five or six screens in a big circle, and so you parked towards the screen of the movie that you wanted to see. Now, as a kid, we always ended up at the Westerns because that was my dad's favorite genre. John Wayne, Clint Eastwood, names that many of you in this room and at home do not even know, okay? But you need to. The good, the bad, the ugly, the spaghetti Western, right? And in the process of watching those Westerns, let me just sum them up. If you've never watched that genre, there's a bad guy harassing people in a little town out in the middle of nowhere. And a good guy shows up in town and he sees what's going on. And the townspeople are too afraid to do anything, and they can't even afford to hire someone who will do something. And the good guy fights the bad guys and saves the people in the town. Can I have an amen? And the reason why I want an amen is because that is a biblical example that happens in Scripture time and time again. There is a showdown after showdown after showdown. God against the devil. People against uh, righteousness against unrighteousness. People against the enemy. People against bad circumstances. People against false doctrine. People against the things that the enemy would do to steal, kill, and destroy. It's a thousand times story told in the Scriptures. But today... I want to focus on a critical showdown that you absolutely have to face. And this is a showdown that you need to lose. You're going to stand face to face with something, and it's critical that you lay down your weapons and surrender. I want to talk to you. I've entitled my message today, His Voice. That is the showdown that you want to surrender to. When God speaks... You and I can have a lot of opinions and a lot of arguments, but it is time to step back and say, yes, Lord. Amen? The reason why you need to lose this showdown is because when God speaks, you need to surrender. If you don't surrender, you will continue going on to be the bad guy. Right? Anytime you don't obey the scriptures, you are the bad guy. Maybe invading just the little old town called you. But as you wear the black hat and disobey the word of God, you are actually taking the good city that God has for you hostage, and that city experiences less than what God intends. Okay, so have you ever been around somebody who's incredibly bossy? Right? We've got some videos uh, of my, uh, my daughter, Leslie, who's a, it's a firstborn thing, I understand it in her room with Valerie, real small in diapers, and Leslie's doing a puppet show, 
And she's telling Val, no, sit there. No, stop. No, stand up. It is just like a barrage, a shotgun of commands and demands. And super bossy. And Val's like trying to figure out what to do. And we just thought it was a really weird thing. Until then we had grandchildren. We realized this is a real issue of firstborns. I'm going to step aside. This is a video that was sent to me from my son and daughter-in-law of our oldest, uh, Eldon who is acting like Leslie, and Ben, who is acting like Valerie, enjoy. Okay, you can stop it there. This, this video goes on like this multiple times where Ben gets up, sit down. He's reading to him, yeah, shh. It is just amazing if you've ever been around people who are bossy. And I don't know if you know this, maybe you feel like this, but if you looked into scripture, it could appear that God is actually bossy. When you look through the scripture, God says to Adam and Eve, don't touch that tree. He doesn't say it actually like that. But some people see it that way or read it that way. Don't touch that tree. Sit down. God speaks to Abraham and he says, leave your city and go to a place that I'll show you later after you've left. God speaks to Lot and he says, get out of Sodom and don't turn back. Don't look behind you. He speaks to Moses and he gives him the Ten Commandments and he tells Moses to tell them, do this or die. Seems kind of bossy if you're, if, you know, it's a lot of rules there and you've got to obey them. To the tabernacle, after it's built, God speaks to the priest and says, no one touches the Ark of the Covenant with their hands. Later on, as they're invading uh, Jericho, Joshua tells everyone, because God says so, don't take home any of the plunder for yourselves. And you know most of how those stories turn out. Someone disobeys. You know, I have considered this idea of how sometimes people see God as bossy or his commands seem to be maybe overwhelming at times, but I want to talk to you for a few moments about the why of God's voice. Okay, and as we press into the why of God's voice, I want to help you to understand why God says the things that he says, why God speaks to you, because he's going to do that. It's going to happen as you read the scriptures, right? God is going to communicate some things to you. He's going to do that as you maybe worship, and he speaks to you something he wants you to start doing. His commands are not always don't. Anybody? You're alive here? You guys haven't checked out. It's not too hot in here, is it? I mean, you're nice and comfortable. Okay. It, sometimes God will say, do. Come up here. Do this. Or go there and share that. Or give something. Do something. God's going to speak. And then God, sometimes God is actually, and you're not going to like this part. I'm just going to warn you. God's going to speak through other people. Spiritual leaders, your parents, maybe a, a spiritual friend, somebody who cares about you. A prophetic word's going to come out. And God, through that prophetic word, he's going to speak. And I want you to understand, why is God speaking to you? Why have you received the Bible? Why has God used pastors and teachers and leaders? Why does God use spiritual authority in our lives? Why does God use a friend to challenge us to go against the grain, maybe of the direction we're going, the thing that we want, the thing that we're dreaming of? Why, why God, does it feel like you have so many rules? God, why are you speaking? Why are you saying this? Let me give you point number one. It's real simple. Believe it or not, God absolutely desires his very best for your life. 
Come on, you can say amen again. I mean, that's, that's, that's so important. I know, now, you're saying amen, but I want you to know, like a tick or a chigger, that's for Jennifer Davenport who loves that word, a chigger burrowed down into your skin, hidden from sight, is actually the potential for the disbelief that God actually wants his best for your life. Because maybe of who you are or how you grew up or some things that you've done. But if you're in the hearing of my voice here or at home today, God's desire at this moment is not for your destruction. It is for your best in every realm of your life. The best for your relationships, the best for your finances, the best for business, the best for employment, the best for child raising. He, he, his heart, his belief, his desire, he's created you to be the very best parent for your child. Not comparing to anyone else, but you are designed by the hand of God to be the best right? Because God wants the best for you. You can see it in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. And I know if we were to have 90% of the Bible explode and we could only grab onto a, a couple key choices, I would grab Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. In there is the entirety of the rest of the Bible. Genesis 1, verse 28. God puts Adam and Eve in the garden. You'll remember this. And there God, what did he do? He, do you have the scripture up there? He did what? First line, second word. Come on, shout it out. Participation. He did what? He didn't curse them. He didn't stand back and wait for them to do anything. What's the first thing that God did? What was his first desire? Blessing. I want you to know that's the heart of God for you. Regardless of where you've been, what you've been involved with, it's to bless. You know what that means? To take something of his goodness and push it into your life where you're lacking. It's to add something you can't get on your own. It's something that you don't even maybe could never achieve in all of your best efforts. The desires and the dreams of God for your life far exceed what you could ever imagine. The best future that you can sum up in your head, God can add zeros to the end of that without question. There are things that I dreamed about as a child. I could never come up with some of the things I've been able to experience that have come from the hand of God. And it's so important that you have that posture. It's that you actually, before hearing what God says, that you already know up front, God's desire is, my, is for my best. Now, if you step into any relationship and you think, oh, this person's the enemy or this person's trying to take from me, you know how when you step onto a used car, car sales lot, what's your thought? They're going to try to rip me off. Maybe use stronger language than that when you show up uh, in that parking lot. But you, you step into that parking lot and you're like, uh, I don't think that they're after my best. They're after their best. Buried deep down like a tick. In our theology, there can be this concept. God is not interested in my happiness. He's not interested in my joy. He's not interested in my best. You know that if you experience best, then happiness is automatic. God's not inter, inter, uh, interested first in your emotions. He's first interested in your best because like a train going down the tracks, the, the voice of God is the locomotive and how you feel is actually the caboose that will follow if you follow the voice of God. You're, you're, you always go after what God says. Your feelings will get caught up. You know that? Yeah, so so important. God's desire is absolutely for your best, even in your darkest moment of failure. Even in the moment of disobedience, what the enemy will do really quick when you are disobedient is he will whisper in your ear, run. What does Adam do when he sins? He hides. 
The enemy exploits our failures to make us think that we're no longer, the desire of God is no longer for your best. I don't care if you're on death row and somehow you get a, a hold of this. They're right there, God's desire is for your best and he's able to do the miraculous. Regardless, at all times, I'll tell you this, everybody else's desire won't be for your best. This world won't be desiring your best. But one thing you can always drill down on, it's an anchor in any storm. God desires his best for my life. It goes on to say, be fruitful and multiply. God's desire is, is fruitful and multiply. Not subtract and lose. It's everything you step into, every place you go, multiply and be fruitful. That's the desire of God. That's why he's created you. He wants you to succeed. He does not want you to fail. You will fail a few times. And yes, you can glorify God in failure, but God doesn't get any glory directly from your failure. God gets far more glory from your success. You know why? Because it reflects a God who is good. Anybody, come on, help me out. Otherwise, I'll have Trish turn the air conditioning down to about 60. She might need to do that now, okay? God's desire is for your goodness. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Fill it. Fill your land. Every field that makes up your life, fill it. Multiply. And I would say that applies to this earth. Don't buy into the people who think that this earth can't handle overpopulation, okay? I think it's a wise way to expand in our County, I appreciate where I live. I love Ridgefield. They've done such a great job for expansion, in my opinion. Some people don't want any expansion. But the word here says, and this is God's word, and this is where we step back. Whatever God says is what is true, not what is the pop culture or the pop theology of the day. It says, fill the earth and subdue it. In other words, you own your field. Cultivate it. Cultivate your marriage. Cultivate your talent. Cultivate your business. God's desire is for that. Fill the earth. You fill your land, and let's believe God for the whole land to be filled. So it's filled with the people of God. Um, it goes on to say, have dominion. And I won't go any farther on that. I think you get the idea. He's so committed to your best that he sent his son to secure the opportunity. I loved all of our speakers so far this morning. Rowena, phenomenal job, phenomenal job leading us in. And Pastor Saxon, man, what a communion message. That If you... If you You'll never hear a better communion message than that. That was amazing, okay? And Paige, what, a, what all connected so well together. I don't think I have to re-explain what Christ has done in our lives based on those three people. But I want to tell you that the reason why Jesus came wasn't just so your sin would be forgiven. It is so that on this earth, hear what I'm saying, Jesus died for your experience here on this earth. For you to have an amazing marriage, an amazing career, an amazing life, amazing ministry, the ability to give incredibly, right? When those things are experiencing God's best, it's more than enough for you. It's able to go out of you into other people. If you're not experiencing God's best in your life, you're living in poverty on one of those fields. And not only are you not surviving well, you can't give anything from that field to anybody else. Your marriage, when it's thriving, pours out without even realizing it onto the people around you. When you're a generous person, you walk in the room, I'm telling you, the atmosphere is changed by your presence because you're thriving in that field. That's the heart of God. That's what God, we, we are gardens of Eden. We have gardens of Eden. They're called our lives. And the heart of God is for us to absolutely experience his best. 
And so if you understand that, then you step into point number two, that his voice is always just simply given to you to reveal the way to his best. You know, it's really difficult to go someplace you've never been before. Some of you, the first time you came to my house, you were thinking, I didn't even know this part of the planet existed so close to the freeway. Where do I turn? And then it go down a private road. Which, which house? Anybody get anxiety like that when you're going someplace you've never been before? I experience it. But how about the second time? No, you've, you've been down that path. You may be, I think, it, I, yeah, 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 yeah I, I recognize that house. But God has already seen the way before you. He already knows the way to his best. And so anytime God says, go do this or don't do that, God speaks warning or he uses a leader say, who, who says, hey, listen, I, I want to challenge you. This is what I'm concerned about for me. I don't know about you, but because of my relationship with the Lord and because I can hear his voice and because I have leaders in my life who I trust, I've, I've, it's a free country. I had, the I had the opportunity to pick them. They're not perfect, but their perfection does not deny that God uses them to speak into my life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's a beautiful thing. If kids, listen to your parents. They're not perfect. They don't need to be to have a voice from God in your life. It's just a reality. God can draw straight lines with crooked sticks. He does it every day. Okay? So he's looking to reveal his best to you, the path there. And so when you read the scriptures, when you're hearing the voice of God, when you're challenged on an idea, it's not to take something away from you, and it's not to keep you from having fun. When I was younger, I really thought, why can't we do that? That would be fun, because I've never been there. And looking from here to there, man, it just looks like an easy, simple path. But what I can't see, there are minefields between here and there. And the thing I'm looking at is actually not what I think it is. Oh, from 100 yards away, lots of things look beautiful. Get up close. Sometimes get within 100 yards, uh, 50 yards. You're like, whoa! Get up real close, and you're like, ooh, I couldn't see the stink. I couldn't smell that from back there. I couldn't feel the vibe. And so God in his word is giving you his voice not to keep you from good things. He's looking to keep you from damage, harm, and he's also looking to keep you from less than best. I love Psalm 143 verse 8. It's the prayer of the psalmist and he says, make me know the way I should go for to you I lift up my soul. Make me to know the way that I should go. Man, if you wake up in the morning and that's your prayer, Lord, make me to know the way I should go. Help me to get connected with the right person to buy. Lord, help me to find the right house and property where I can go ahead and I can build my business. Lord, help me to know what to do with homeschooling. Lord, help me to even to navigate the craziness of the season that we're in. The Lord can lead you. He can lead you, Amen. right? Yeah. I love Psalm 119, verses 105 through 106. Your word is a lamp to my feet. In other words, the voice of God will always illuminate the next step ahead of you. It's a light to my path. And he goes on to say, I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep Really, your righteous decrees, that for, that for you is a little bit maybe of a misunderstanding for me. But what it's really saying is when God speaks, I'm going to say yes and amen. amen. Anything that God tells me, yes and amen. Even if I, my voice says something different prior to that. Well, I think we should, and then God speaks. Oh, well, I, 
I defer to God. I defer to you, Lord. I've, he, he actually says there, I have sworn an oath and confirmed it, that God's voice is going to be the loudest voice in my life above anybody else. I think that that's a good recipe to experience all the good things that God has for you. Number three, and I won't hit this real hard, but uh, he sees the adversary contesting God's best. You know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Sometimes we do. But, <laughs> but we wrestle not against flesh and blood. There is someone contesting everything good in your life at all times using a myriad of different approaches. If you've ever watched some of the Clint Eastwood movies, man, I don't know what it is, but I, he pulls out his gun and it looks like 75 feet long. It's intimidating. It's the weapon of choice. And at the same time, the adversary many times comes in with a voice that seems maybe even bigger than the voice of God. That's how he functions. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. He speaks what does he speak? He speaks in contestation to the best of God. God says that you should be fruitful and multiply. And the enemy says, oh, it's not going to work out. You're going to lose everything. Right? God says, you're my son. You're my daughter. He whispers, God didn't even know where you're at. He turned his back on you way back when you did that. It's a constant voice, and the Lord is very aware of it. We don't recognize it as being the voice of the enemy because it mixes in in so many different mediums as it comes in. The enemy will use uh, somebody you know. He'll use circumstances. He'll use situations. He will use your own thoughts. Sometimes your own thoughts are repetitions of the lies of the wicked one. Oh, man, that's not going to work out. It's not going to work out. Who does that sound like? I, I have yet to read God standing up on the balcony, looking over uh, the uh, balcony of Scripture into our lives, saying, ah, it's not going to work out unless he's providing a way that it will work. You're on a righteous path, believing him. Ah, you know, you shouldn't have listened to me. I don't think it's going to work out. <laughs> he sees the adversary coming who's coming to steal, kill, and destroy. And that adversary is going to come in the form of circumstances, and there will be circumstances that scream loudly against the promises of God in your life. And what I've found out is about the time that the enemy raises his voice in my circumstances to that volume, boy, whatever was promised sure must be close and sure must be good. The enemy does not fight a treasure that does not exist. Robbers don't break into places that don't have anything good to steal. So when circumstances come adverse against your life, there is a reason. There's a reason for COVID. There's a reason for unrest in this season. There's a reason for the things you're going through. And the enemy would say, it's because you've done wrong, because God's not for you. See, Steve's a liar. So is God, right? Okay. Anything that doesn't line up with Genesis, blessing over your life, prosper, take ground, anything that doesn't line up with that is not the heart of God for you, and it's a lie. Circumstances that speak to the otherwise. And yes, I know, we're going to die. Most of us, there's only two people that have ever lived have not died. Was it the will of God for them to die? Absolutely not. Stop saying, oh, it was the Lord who took her home. The Bible tells me in the book of Revelation that the last enemy to be destroyed is death. It was never the heart of God for anybody on the planet to die ever. The reason why it happens is because, bottom line, 
we don't listen to the voice of God or somebody else doesn't listen to the voice of God. I have spent time with people who are so angry at God because he took somebody they loved and breaking through to explain to them, God didn't take your dad home early. The enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. And someday, like the contract that's yet to be fulfilled, the final promise is that death will be cast into the lake of fire. And that's going to be a great day. I think we're going to do a little shouting on that day, amen, because we die a little bit every day. It's going to be contrary voices in your life. Wow, I don't know about you, but these are voices that are contrary to the life God promises, the way to get there. And I hear the voices all the time, the voice maybe of pleasure. Steve, you just, God just wants you to be happy. God just wants you to be comfortable. There's people saying that right now, cashing checks from the government who don't want to go out to work because my body would much rather not work and get a check. But I want to tell you that after Genesis chapter 3 and we messed up, God said, do what? Go out and work by the sweat of your brow. It is the will of God for us to work for what we receive. It's a beautiful thing when we don't have what we need and God supplies it or God uses someone else. But the economy, the theology, the political, uh, uh, or at least the economical format that God has laid out for man on the world is one where you go out and you work hard. Amen. That's yeah. scriptural. That's biblical. God says the man that doesn't, doesn't sow, he will not what? Reap. Okay? I'm not saying don't take, care, don't take advantage of benefits available to you. But don't sit back and say, you know what, why work if they're going to give it to me? And any, any doctrine, any religion, any political persuasion that would say otherwise may work in some places, but it's not in alignment with God's word, okay? We go out, we work hard, we take ground, and that is where God multiplies our efforts. We plant the seed, and God causes his touch to make what we planted, which was one, turn into much more. There's abundance at the tail end of our work. Okay, how about the, the voice of substitutes? Man, I, could, I saw that a bunch of times when I first got saved, and I knew there's someone out there for me. Boy, there was a lot of substitutes. What do I mean by substitute? They're knockoffs. They don't, they're not the real thing. And that's not to say that God's for you, you young adults. That's not to say there's only one person out there for you. Guess what? I, you get to choose. You do. God has given you the ability to choose. You know how, who, who's the will of God for you? The one that you say yes to who says yes back. If you're the only one saying yes, that ain't going to work, okay? <laughs> you dragon. Okay, but if they say yes back, from there, that moment on, that's the will of God for you. Now, in the selection, take no substitutes. What do I mean by that? Anything I want, I want to line it up with the will of God or the word of God, the voice of God. And I'm not saying God is she the one. I don't know anybody who's heard that voice, and if they have, it's usually... They're the first ones to bail on the relationship later on. I heard from God. You're the one. Ladies, be warned of that guy, okay? Uh, he's trying to use the God card to manipulate you, all right? But if he says to you, man, I, I admire these scriptural qualities in your life. Man, this is something I see in you. And if you, that's your litmus test, the word of God. I'm going to tell you. You're going to be excited when someone lines up. Wait, wait, don't take substitutes. It would be better to be alone, the Bible says, than to be with the wrong person, somebody who's a substitute. I'm telling you. 
And so you take your biblical litmus test and you line that person up and you say, Lord, that they're not, they're never going to be perfect. Okay. But when you find one that's close, man, get excited. And then look in the mirror because you got some work to do because you probably need some work to line up to, to a biblical litmus test yourself. Don't expect perfection because uh, in the mirror, you're not going to see it. But uh, perfection's being perfected is different than perfection, right? And so that's also part of the litmus test. Is this person growing in spiritual things? Don't accept a substitute. How about don't worry about optics or what other people say? In a world that we live in right now, what other people say is so big, I can't even wrap my head around it. But what will people say? What will people say? Well, people are pretty good at saying anything. They have diarrhea of the mouth. It, uh, I hate to get, poor example, but it just flows and it smells and it's not pretty. Somebody, you want to tell people that you have lips that can actually close. We don't need your opinion on everything. I don't know about you. You know, there's been moments where even in this season, you step out of your house and the thought does come. What will people think if someone comes to my house? The optics of it, right? Well, they won't think that I'm loving or that I'm caring. There's also a pressure to please people. It's like being in the seventh grade. If I don't wear the right pants, they won't like me. So you go out and you buy a ridiculous pair of pants that are completely uncomfortable. You look insane wearing those pants. You're going to hate your yearbook picture some years away, but you bought those pants. Why? For the optics sake, to get people to like you. I've shared this story. Ninth grade, I went out and bought a Bad Company concert shirt. I didn't know a single song by Bad Company. And I had a kid in study hall uh, call me out on it, a junior. He says, name me one album. I couldn't. Name me one song. I couldn't. He's like, nice concert shirt, poser. He didn't use that word. It wasn't a word then. <laughs> we do things for people's optics. I want to tell you what. People's optics will pull you out of the lane of God's best. It's important to have a good reputation, but where is a good reputation achieved? Is it just by your neighbor's opinion of you? Or is it by being in alignment with God? Because ultimately, here's, who's, here's, here's, here's where I derive my reputation from. The voice of heaven. The approval of God. What God thinks about what I'm doing. And I have great confidence as I do my best to align my life with the word of God that in that lane there will be some who think what I'm doing is wrong. Anybody? You give how much to God? That church? That dude with, I don't even think he's bald. He is just cutting his hair because it's so cool. He is so slick. He is trying to milk the cow of your finances to get your money. Listen, if some of you told your family that you gave 10, 15% of your income to the house of God, they would think you're nuts. The optics of gathering in your home for church in this season, nine months in, worried about the optics? Tell you what, the optics are, why don't you open up the curtains and just watch, let them watch you worship God the way you would do in the closed doors, dark sanctuary. Do that in your front window. No, do it on your front lawn. Listen, they already think you're crazy. I am telling you, 
They think you believe in the tooth fairy. They think that the quarters under your pillow are obviously planted. But a man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. I have experienced the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, breathe his word into my life. And whether I don't stand out on my front lawn raising my hands so that I can show everybody I'm a worshiper and I don't do it for optics, this is what I do. Somebody said, let's have a church protest service. That wouldn't be a church service, that would be a protest. I protest in anything. God's commanded me to gather for me to worship. That's my motive. You know, motives affect everything. If your motive is to follow scripture, but if your motive is, I'm afraid what people will think, I'm afraid what my employer will do, you'll find yourself not just in this season, but in other seasons where there's pushback on the voice of God. And I want to tell you, I'll risk optics in the world's eyes any day of the week when God is clear on his word, his voice, because his voice leads to best. Why don't you stand with me, okay? I would love to preach for a while. I don't have time to do it on the voice of fear. Maybe we'll get that to that next week. Let me give you a final verse. Today, I want to call you to a default. I want to call you to the decision to as you step up for the showdown, you versus God's word. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That your default, right off, the, right off the bat, every time you step into the voice of God, that your default is this amazing scripture found in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 9. It's a beautiful portion of scripture where Eli, a young boy, he's yet to learn the voice of God. He's a little confused. He hears something and he's not really sure what it is. Some of you haven't learned to maybe really tune into the voice of God. But listen, you, you can. Don't say, ah, oh, I just can't hear God's voice. Uh, work the dial. You'll, God will help you. Young Samuel hears the voice and he goes to really his spiritual leader and his spiritual leader gives him great advice. He says, go back, lay down. And if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Speak, Lord, your servant hears. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. I don't have any tattoos, not because of conviction. It's pure fear. Being poked a million times with a needle is not, I don't want to go for one time. I'm not boycotting any future inoculations. I boycott the needle, any needle. I just ain't doing it, right? But if there were a tattoo, I wish I could tattoo on my own eyeballs in reverse so that I can see it. Maybe I'll write them in, in Sharpie on the inside of my glasses. Get up in the morning. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. It's a commitment to acting out the voice of God, to knowing that that voice is for your best, to knowing that that voice is leading you down the path to best. Trust it. 
Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, leaders, and what we do at C3 Church, visit our website at c3swwa.com.